welcome to Half a Cinch. This is a music appreciation podcast where you talk about albums from 1972. My name is Mike. His name is JR. Hello. And his name is Ben Frazier. Oh, hi. I've been here before. Yep, he has been here before. Frank Zappa! <laughs> that's how we'll start this episode. Uh, because that's Frank Zappa. About. You ever that's heard what, of him? That's who we're talking about. Um, you know, uh, let's see. What what can we say about Frank what Zappa? Can, what can you say about Frank Zappa? Uh, he put out a lot of a lot of material. Most people uh, are like, he was on drugs. Uh, no, absolutely not. Uh, what? He wasn't? No. <laughs> I mean, uh, that, I, might, I mean, no, he was not. I mean, uh, and some might say that's probably why he was uh, such a pretentious asshole is because he wasn't on drugs. Yeah, he was. Um, uh, I mean, I would argue he was a big pro- proponent of nicotine, <laughs> which I'm also a big fan of. Um, and, and caffeine. And caffeine, yeah. I mean, he wasn't completely sober. And power. Uh, he was addicted to power. Well, like when, to r- run the show. When people uh, confronted him about that, how he was uh, you know, addicted to cigarettes and, and coffee, he would... He would antiquate those not with drugs but as food he would say that that's that's my food which is the the biggest denial statement i think i've ever heard (laughs) um well you know surprisingly disappointingly he only put out two studio albums in 1972 can you believe that i mean uh really really slacking in that year but there's a good reason, though, isn't there, Ben? There is a good reason, yes. Why, why, don't you, why, don't you tell, why don't you tell us the reason why he only put out two albums in the year 1972? Well, I think it was in 1971, actually, when, when it happened. I'm not sure the exact date. It um, was 1970, December 71. December of 1971 uh, at the Rainbow Theater? in england am i correct in that statement is a rainbow i don't know if it's england but yeah rainbows right i believe it was in england a crazed fan or well i mean i don't know if it's a fan but a crazed individual decided that they were going to get on stage and push frank into an orchestra pit no. 10 feet into an orchestra pit he could have easily died i think he broke a bunch of bones uh his his leg his back his neck his head and his larynx yes he crushed his larynx that is correct which which is why the later albums he released his voice is much lower yeah man crazy and this wasn't even like this wasn't even the the first thing crazy thing that happened to him in 71 because we covered this uh on a previous episode or deep purple episode that uh, he was also performing a show that caught fire when someone shot a flare gun into the ceiling That's and correct. burned the place down, which was the inspiration for smoke on the water. So, I believe, I believe those things happened within a week of each other. Yeah. So there was some sort of force that was trying to kill Frank Zappa. Um, and that force was prostate cancer and it succeeded. <laughs> yes. That's true. Um, Sadly true. Yes, he did. He did die. 
but not before putting out these two albums, which uh, critics refer to as his his quote unquote big band era, um, and and that being that the bands were big, because I you know they're not not a lot of I mean slight similarities to like the big band genre, but um, every yeah, once in a while it's a couple there, nods. There yeah. was a trumpet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just oh, so much trumpet huge huge compositions like just uh intricate um shit that shit that should be like taught in and, and probably is taught in in music schools um just uh incredible compositions though i uh, to be honest like well we'll talk about waka jawak first but the one after that grand wazoo that was the one that was actually one of the first times that I, I really actually got into Zappa. Like mm-hmm. most of the stuff I heard, like I was like, oh, okay, okay with it. I was, I, hands. yeah, I've always just kind of been turned off by like the, you know, like sort of the silliness or whatever of the songs, mm-hmm. but, but the musicality though, um, loved it. And I think, you know, that's why Wazoo really, I could really like get into that one. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you, JR? Yeah, I mean, I this is one I went back and listened to later, of course. Spent a lot of time in the prep room at Mother Bear's Pizza listening to Frank Zappa with our guest, Ben Frazier. Sure. Um, and also one of my good friends, <clears throat> Andrew Wright and his brother, Aaron Wright. Uh, and one of our, all of our mutual friends had Frank Zappa whenever we would get a pick a CD back then when you get a pick a CD and listen to it at the party people are always picking Frank Zappa so been around it a lot but this is when I went back and listened to later when I was kind of getting into the drums and the the stuff where Frank was pushing the musicians to play staccato stuff that was like crazy and you know where does that come from out of nowhere in your brain this like where does that form in a musician's brain like out of nowhere um like that kind of stuff is all over especially waka but i like the wazoo too because it's a little more polished horns and it sounds like a just like a live orchestra it's funny he fell in the pit but it's you know it sounds like a live orchestra sometimes because it's just so thick and low they use really good use of organ and synthesizer to make it feel thick and and low just just a big fan of both of these records and happy we get to do them uh yeah we i mean we have been on because he is he's our resident like big zappa number one zappa fan out of hey number one most people i know uh so so when was it when was it been high school earlier when when did you realize that zappa was your guy uh college um the the very the fuzzy years of college (laughs) probably about my sophomore year of college uh you know i'd heard of frank zappa and i thought he was incredibly weird when did these when did these albums come into your life and and how do they stack up against the rest of them um i mean all of the albums came to me within a semester because i took a class at indiana university on frank zappa um and you know i was i was curious about him i had seen baby snakes which is a great movie if anyone hasn't seen it. it's like a live concert movie with a bunch of weird claymation and and uh, I was just blown away by his guitar playing. 
first off and then i decided to take the class and each class you know was taught by andy holliden and uh he did usually two albums per class and went over the history of them and and i wish i remembered more of it so i'm gonna do my best to recall um but uh yeah so all of it all came to to me at the same time i became super obsessed it was all frank all the time back in those days probably early 2000s early to the 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 oh oh seven through through you know 10 is when i was super heavy into zappa and uh i liked the the waka and wazoo albums because they were i guess the easier listening versions for that i could play for people who had uh an aver- as you said an aversion to the silliness yeah yeah of Frank. it's yeah. The, the, there are two good um introductory albums i think to frank because you don't have as much of that crassness um and it's more just about like composition and it's kind of jazzy it definitely has a 70s feel to it yeah and uh, and even without vocals like the parts get stuck in your head yeah uh, like i was just talking about you know a song that gets easily stuck in my head yeah and I mean, frank was all about melody i mean that's that's uh, yeah. why that's why he's my favorite guitar player of all time is he's his melodies are he has an amazing sense for them and and i think a lot of people don't see that because they just see him talking about titties and beer and uh, <laughs> yeah. and um you know or being like Ooh. and the weird strange <laughs> strange avant-garde uh atonal things but deep within the atonal chaos are some of the most you know memorable and brilliant and, melodies and that's the stuff that makes me laugh sorry to interrupt you mike oh, like no. but when he's doing that stuff where he's talking it's all thought out note wise and that actually makes me giggle and laugh so much that he puts that much into that silly of a thing everything is composed from frozen and a lot of people i I mean besides like their long live jams obviously that's that's and crazy musicians he recruits he's like a freaking phil jackson record you know he is an amazing recruiter of musicians who went on to do amazing things and did amazing things with him. You know, that's another thing he has at being at the helm of such an amazing group of people well, I think, playing. Cool I think the reason, the reason for that is because um, up and coming music students, uh, he was the challenge, you know, the things that he would write compositionally were very, very hard to play. And I think, you know, a lot of, the best musicians wanted to play with Frank because that was a challenge for them and <laughs> they wanted yeah. to take that next step. I remember seeing, I think his name's Napoleon, maybe a flute player. Napoleon Murphy Brock. He played sax. He played flutes. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing him in, um, in a documentary about the real school of rock and these kids were the, like the high, you know, the top level kids were like learning some Zappa and he got to come down and meet them and, and sit and like listen to them play. And uh, I think they were playing. Um, yeah, he always has these like. It's know? the big. I, I, I know the song, too. I saw that movie. It's Z- great. Z- Zombie Wolf, maybe. Zombie Wolf. Yeah. Um, they play it at a festival, like for Frank Zappa. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. And he was there and he got to meet the kids afterwards. And, you know, his what he said to them, he was like, he's like, I, you know, I know what I went through to play these to like learn these parts. And, and just to just to see, you know, people younger than me when I was learning this music, learning it, 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 it was like, it blows my mind. He's like, and let me, he's like, and that's exactly what he said. He's like, he's like, Zappa has always been like, you know, boss level. Uh, I could see I could see trumpet players using Big Swifty as like an audition tape. <laughs> yeah. Like, here's me doing Big Swifty, and then then if you don't want me in your band, sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but getting back to this period, this specific time uh, in his life, he was in a wheelchair. He was composing in a wheelchair. Um, from what I read, it was kind of a depressing time for him because it, it would depress anyone that, you know, well, his band left him. Oh, okay. Uh, he was, you know, he had a touring band with, uh, um, the, the flow and Eddie years from the turtles, mm-hmm. uh, they, that, you know, he had this full band and he fell into the pit and, you know, was hospitalized and they still had to work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they, they kind of, you know, threw up their hands. They're like, all right, what are we going to do? And they just kind of moved on. And so he was left without a band uh, to just write music on paper in a hospital bed. Um, Yeah. And what, what came out was, you know, walk a, you know, the, 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 the title tracks to both of these are just incredible pieces of music. And just, just thinking that like, this is, this is what came from a man like laid up, in a hospital bed you know his band is, has left him he's he's depressed he's you know and then he's diving but the music doesn't really reflect depression it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't but it like it reflects like it reflects what happens when you when he you know when the situation has a has is like it for him it was like this this is an opportunity to do yeah. something that i've always wanted to do which is to you know to orchestrate a, a giant band to compose mm-hmm. like like the guys of old like the like the composers of old and uh yeah and it's it's great like i i don't <laughs> i don't i don't wish the kind of injuries that he sustained on anyone but because it led to this it's like uh kind of glad that happened i guess <laughs> yeah the back cover of waka jawaka you know there's a picture of him and he i think he's in a wheelchair but it's like from the waist up and he looks like he's frail you know he looks weak yeah um, um yeah so i will waka jawaka the first one uh that came came out in june he said that uh it was it was something that appeared on a ouija board that's how he, he came up with the title of that album. Um, yeah. And it's, it, people say it's kind of a spiritual sequel to hot rats. Cause hot rats is like when he first started experimenting, I guess with the, the jazz stuff, the big band stuff. Yeah. It was this jazz. It was a solo, it was a solo album, you know, hot rats was the first one he released where it wasn't Frank Zeppelin, and the mothers of invention. And I think this is, this was the second one because yeah, after Hot Rats was the flow and Eddie years, and then they they dissolved, and so this was like his second. Well, I guess Lumpy Gravy was his first solo solo. This is listed as his fourth, like technically fourth fourth, fourth okay. solo album. Um, 
but yeah, it recorded at Paramount in Hollywood. That's where he, you know, he was, he did both albums. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to bother with uh, the personnel from Wazoo uh, because like the personnel list is, is so huge for each song, but the yeah. personnel list for Waka, it's a little bit more stripped down, but uh, yeah, Sal Marquez on trumpets and folks chimes flugelhorn erroneous that's a guy that shows up a lot on the on both albums aka alex i want to say machowski even though there's a d at the beginning there so the machowski maybe do you know how you pronounce this thing i don't know machowski he plays bass uh well he's just erroneous and of course ainsley dunsbar is the drummer uh tony duran slag guitar george duke on all that piano stuff so good yeah um it's just a, a lot of guys we don't have to go through all of them but yeah don preston uh who who don preston is in the original mothers yeah so you know he frank always had like recurring characters come back to him and so like i when i said that like the the band dissolved after he fell in you know obviously ainsley dunbar was in that band yeah. so he still got he still got ainsley to come back I think he'd work with George Duke before. I'm not sure though, but um, yeah, and I mean George became his keyboard player for years after that. So I can see why this is a hell of a he's rips on this and Wazoo. Yeah, and then yeah, uh, uh, Mike Altschul. You know, he's on the sax and the piccolo, bass flute, bass clarinet. Yeah, he gets these guys that like that like that learned how to play every woodwind that's you know in the family of woodwinds like oh yeah i can play them all uh sneaky pete kleinow who showed up on some other earlier 72 albums we've talked about playing the pedal steel did the um but yeah it's just funny he just brings in like he brought in a guy jeff simmons just to play hawaiian guitar Um, he's from indiana oh okay hey i know I, i learned that from a past DS. Uh, but yeah, this one opens up with Big Swifty, just a big long jazz rocker. Yeah, big compilation. The, uh, for those who don't know, there's four songs on this album. Four, just four. Yeah, it's four, and it's a full length album. So uh, they're they're long, and they're you know there aren't really many lyrics to talk about. Nope. He does. It's funny. He does. He does these two very long ones and then two uh, short ones with some vocals. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of like a. It's a very symmetrical album in that way. Mm-hmm. Which I like. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, track two, your mouth. Well, hold on before before oh. we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what There's do you want to one... talk? About? Go ahead. There's one cool thing about Big Swifty that only that I one. Think... <laughs> um, well, I mean, one thing that stands out to me. Yeah. And that, that we learned that I thought was really fascinating. Um, I mean, obviously, this is a giant instrumental. There's a, it starts out with a big syncopation type thing, and then it kind of goes into like this avant-garde jazz jam. But at some point, you hear a guitar solo from Frank, and at the same time, the trumpet player, Sal Marquez, is playing in unison with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And um, one of the cool things I learned from this is that it had already been recorded with a Frank guitar solo. 
and he had Sal Marquez. And this is why he loved Sal Marquez, because I guess Sal was a brilliant transposer. And that's one of the reasons that he hired him to be all over this and play future trumpet stuff in, in the later 70s. But he hired Sal to basically compose a trumpet version of his guitar solo and play in unison with him. So if you listen to that album at some point, there's like this guitar trumpet solo playing the same notes at the same time. And it's pretty wild. And it's all staccato, like Frank style. Yes, it's, it's, it's wild. It's a, it's a very strange solo. Yeah, I, I mean, I put that in my notes. That the trumpet solo is definitely the thing that stands out, for sure. And again, they get that cool at like two minutes, too, where it's like sounds like a computer hack happened. It's all like... <laughs> You're like, damn, this is only two minutes in. It's getting this spacey. I mean, that, that's okay. classic, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I could see where why they he ended up playing with Pink Floyd, though, later. You know, I wrote that a couple times from both of these albums, and this is like more later Pink Floyd with David Gilmore. But it's no surprise to me they actually jammed together and liked each other because there's some roads they kind of crossed together with their experimentation. Yeah, you you wrote down tr- trumpet solo. That was actually originally a guitar solo, and you can kind yeah. of you can kind of like the trumpet is higher up in the mix. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah. So it, I mean, that's like it just in passing. Like when you like listen to it, like maybe you're doing something and or driving around yeah the trumpet's going to stand out yeah you put it in headphones or something and and then it really blows your mind that there's there's the guitar underneath it as well yeah so that's uh, my big thing about that. that that's my big swifty about big swifty yeah uh it's good i mean we'll we'll talk about the you know who's what your favorite of all the long the long tracks uh which one is your favorite um but we'll get to that afterwards. Uh, track two, Your Mouth. Here's one where he's like, oh, I'll put some vocals on this one. Um, that is Del Marquez singing, I believe. Okay. And it's just a, yeah, it's just a funny bluesy number. It's, uh, and it's all about, it's all about uh, suspecting someone of cheating and, and wanting to kill him. The whole, like, my shotgun wants to blow you away. It's, <sighs> it's silly, but I mean, it, it's like such a violent song, but done in just a like just a silly way. I like that it's the traditional horns right after the song that like pushes the horns really hard experimentally, and then the next song's like, you know, like like what you'd expect. But they classic blues song. Yeah, he made it interesting though, and that's a cool. At that time, a lot of people were just doing your same old twelve bar, and he made it interesting. So uh yeah i did i did write right when it gets good it stops (laughs) because it does it's like it's all good and there's like this big everybody starts singing this lady's like oh yeah and then it's like ends um but Uh, yeah but in in track three uh just might be a one-shot deal a one another one that's that has lyrics uh real weird this one's classic zappa where it's just all over the place um I mean, of course, it's all. It sounds like chaos to just any like casual listener, but like we said, like every every note matters, every every hit mattered. Uh, it was all written out. It's supposed to sound like that. Yep. But halfway into this is probably my favorite piece of music 
on this album. Like it's halfway this, into this, it it just goes into this awesome like country sunny blues. Day, yeah, sunny day solos. What I like to call it. Yeah, it yeah. just it just all of a sudden goes into this piece of music that it's just like, oh, it's so good. It it yeah. almost it's like it transports you to like. Uh, I don't know to I don't know something in the south like Almond Brothers coming out you know playing yeah. something out of the out of Georgia or something. Uh, it just yeah, it's so weird it's the way slide. that it happens. Yeah, yeah. sneaky Pete. It's uh, this that's, yeah. that's the only thing that sneaky Pete is on is that pedal steel solo. I think yeah, yeah sneaky right. Pete, and it's just and like we said, he's he's been used in like on other albums before. Like he he was. The uh, guy I mean, to go he's to. a he's a a famous famous studio steel player i mean he's been on records the hawaiian guitar and the slide guitar are both also on that song but the part you're talking about that stands out is sneaky pete because it's the pedal but i mean it's so funny because it's right after the like ween like kind of part the weird vocal like (laughs) like part you know and then it goes into this like country part and i'm like Dude, this is your welcome ween. The weird part. Well, it's it's the the line. It's the it's they say the you know the title of the song. Yeah, it uh, just might be a one. Track. You should be digging it while it's I mean it's a it's a call out to live in the present, basically. And you know, Frank uh, was very adamant and very anti-religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, this was kind of his like maybe you shouldn't be worrying about you know what happens after you die and maybe you should be digging it while while it's happening because this might be it um and then you know like this big release and it's and it's happy and whimsical and i think that was you know on purpose yeah it yeah it is funny that like his you know he 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 does try to put across like a message or or you know his his opinion on things in in the lyrics of songs stuff but it always it always seems to like i don't know it's almost like uh he's making fun of himself like when he tries to say things like that when he tries to be serious about things because it just kind of gets lost in the like the craziness of the music every once in a while he has some profound deep things that he says (laughs) yeah for sure um I one of the more like commercial albums that I really like, Shake Your Booty. Uh, I mean, a lot of those songs, like I, I, I love the lyrics on those. Yeah, fresh um, great album. Um, and then then it ends. This one ends with the uh, the title track, Waka Chawaka. Uh, another another long composition with the awesome synthesizer solo. In this that movie. is probably my favorite keyboard solo of all time. And, That's so good. Who do you think plays that solo? No, it's man. George Duke. It is not George Duke. Who is it? No, oh. it is. It is Don Preston. It is playing. Don Preston. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking on the mini moog. On the mini moog. It yeah. is Don nice. Preston from from the original Mothers. Jeez, uh, it is a ripping solo. It is my. It is probably one of my favorite keyboard solos of all time. It is so good. The trumpet shows up on this one too. Both of the trumpet and the and the mini moog just rip. And Ansley, dude, there's a bunch of awesome rim rim shot symbol stuff on this too because they keep doing that like staccato to smooth, staccato to smooth, and then the smooth part is just so awesome when he brings this, in that drum. 
this is a, a solo feature. I mean, there's a guitar yeah. solo, there's a trumpet, there's the Moog solo, and then Ainsley with a crazy uh, off-time uh, polyrhythm solo. Mm-hmm. But I want to start talking about like the beginning of this song because for okay. some reason, every time I hear the beginning of the song, I think about driving on a bus. <laughs> I think about evening news. Like, this just in, evening news. <laughs> it's like kind of weather report. It's so very Forms. 1970s, you know, but it's... Driving on a bus, driving on a bus. I don't know. It kind of sounds like where they get with the wazoo. It's like a little more produced and almost sounds like it's like for a movie or a soundtrack or something. Yeah, it's a very grandiose intro and it's very busy busy in the city times uh, and, then, and then it's just like featuring it's like featuring this um and i uh another interesting fact about the guitar solo is that um frank never really likes to solo uh with key changes and this is one of the few guitar solos where the keys change and he has to adjust accordingly um just a little tidbit on that he didn't do that so wow so he like he even challenges himself uh he challenges himself constantly not so much on guitar well yeah he probably did on a guitar but i just don't think he liked to change keys because he wanted to just kind of be free and open yeah but for some reason i think he there was a call for it so um but yeah so yeah that's i mean that's the first of the two uh this one actually charted on the billboards uh on the billboard 200 actually it peaked at 152 um even with without a single it's still it's still charted so uh i thought that was that was that was quite interesting that uh because you know grand wazoo comes out and i mean we just move on to that uh, from from what I heard, one of his. There's one more thing I want to oh. talk about. Sorry to interrupt. No, 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 go ahead. I want, I want to talk about the album art. I think oh. uh, it's 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 cool. It's a sink. It's a sink with with two faucets. Uh huh. I've seen very... I've, I've seen one of those before. Yeah, it's it's a very uh, uh it's a timestamp, but it's important because it was all of Frank Zappa's or most of them were um designed by one person what's that and, person's name and his name is cal shankle so and that will that we can talk about him later well you want to talk about grand wazoo's artwork since we're moving on to that and we're on well, the subject I, I believe that cal did that as well uh-huh. artwork's awesome too uh Please continue. I, I just wanted to mention the artwork just because Cal Sankle has has a role in, I believe, one of the songs in the next album. So. They call it like they call it like I don't know. It's kind of iconic, like pop art looking. I don't know something no, I, about that I like, style. I like that. I appreciate when a band like finds a designer or or an illustrator of some kind, and they just they want to keep working with them. They want to bring them along. I. I Speaking of Pink Floyd, I recently watched a little documentary about them, and uh, I did not know, like, the guy, they had this designer that came up with their visual concepts, and he he was the guy they just, they kept going to. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of cool. It's like once you, you find a guy and you, you, you're on the same wavelength with that person, 
yep. you know he, he was good friends with frank and and you know they worked a lot together yeah so. um not to say that you know you know it's i think it's also cool when when bands or artists want to find want to support or find a different designer or conceptual artist on every different album but you know it kind of kind of gives all of these people a, a moment to shine which i also think is cool yeah but both 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 paths are are good uh yeah like i said uh i read that wazoo was one of his commercially uh least successful albums uh did not sell did not chart nope um yet it yet it, i mean it kind of you think maybe it was sort of one of those things where like people got waka Jiwaka and then when they got grand wazoo they're like oh it's just sort of more of the same yeah maybe it did it didn't sell because they're like oh well we already heard this from you yeah maybe he should have just put them all out on one album yeah because this but one is only five tracks i'm sure he it was contract a contractual thing yeah yeah i mean uh this one though uh you know it's branded as a zappa and the mothers unlike waka which is just branded as a solo album this one was was released as a mother's album and it was the eight the considered the eighth studio album with the mothers so i don't know if that was a contractual thing as well like one had to be listed as solo and another one had to be listed as you know band credited i think i I learned all this and i don't remember (laughs) (laughs) but i mean recorded and you know composed and recorded in the same year same studio uh pretty much most of the same people it just one of them was frank zappa and another one was zappa and the mothers but uh yeah i mean it's the mothers was a loose term it was anyone who was playing in frank zappa's band they were the mothers yeah no matter who was in the band so um, yeah it, it kind of like when i when i saw that waka Juwak was listed as fourth and then this one was listed as eighth i kind of confused me at first and i realized like oh well they they're separating the two things i'm sure it was a contractual thing yeah and you know we all know that frank zappa hated that shit he hated the business side of he everything really really hated warner brothers <laughs> yeah really hated warner brothers um but yet you know because of warner brothers he got to he got to you know the benefits of this this giant fucking studio paramount in hollywood which mm. you know he could fill with woodwind and brass section and timpani drums and shit so i mean that's one of the benefits i guess and this is your favorite frank album correct it's it is definitely it's like I said, it's one of the first albums that really, really caught my attention, and one that I, I, I probably listen to this one a lot more than others. Uh, Shake Your Booty is one I've listened to a lot. Apostrophe I've listened to a lot, but when it comes to like, yeah, the, like, just the like, I hadn't heard him do like long form compositions before, before this, and so I mean that's what really and the Grand Wazoo itself, the title track, is my favorite long composition from both of these albums so, uh here's something i didn't know though that i i've always heard the the Ryko disc um reissue 
which mm-hmm. opens with opens up with Grand Wazoo. That's anytime you stream the album, you're gonna get Grand Wazoo opening up. But I didn't know the original LP actually opened with for Calvin. Which Grand- is a boo. Like that's boo. Like and, and the Grand, Grand Wazoo is much better. Grand Wazoo is track two. I'm like, what? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's... I to go yeah. get the album and look. Um it's like having the Beatles magical mystery tour and then you put that that magical mystery tour as song number two. <laughs> because for okay, we'll we'll start with four Calvin. This is the original LP. Four Calvin parentheses and his next two hitchhikers. Uh it's the only track with vocals. Maybe the reason why it's the opening track on the original LP that it's the only one with vocals. There are lyrics for the Grandma Zoo on Spotify, but there's no vocals on the song and the lyrics are crazy i wrote down some of them fuck you if you don't like my hat is one of them <laughs> so it must be something in the liner notes that they wrote for the grand wazoo as like a poem or something that yeah. nobody actually says but yeah, yeah if you go back to spotify and look at the lyrics for that song and it says something like these haven't been time synced yet but it's because they're not on the song i'm yeah. like where'd you get these or, or it's possible that it might be like very, very low, low in the mix. Um, I don't remember. I, I think I remember learning about it, but like yeah. I said, it was a long and, time ago in a fuzzy time. And, you know, just for, you know, semantics, there are vocals, technically vocals on Cletus. There's just no lyrics, but it's just, <laughs> there's vocals like humming along the melody, which, which is cool. Well, I mean, we'll get back to that, but yeah, for Calvin, um, real weird one just it's a it's one of his weird ones it's all over the place don't know why it you wanted to open an album with this one but uh it's a story yeah it's a story you know it reminds me of sid barrett pink floyd and calvin is i believe it i think it's cal shankel i think it, they're talking about cal shankel oh, it's supposed to be him hmm. it could have been a different calvin okay i don't know and his next two hitchhikers. Yeah, what's he like bringing people, derelict people around all the time? <laughs> I think about someone breaking into his car. Oh, I guess that's you'd count that as a hitchhiker, right? Someone breaks into your car. I'm pretty sure that's what the song is about. <laughs> Some, someone like Frank, like I think, like was in the studio and he witnessed someone breaking into Calvin's car, and that's where those lyrics came from. How much was the leakage? Is a pretty funny lyric. <laughs> yeah. uh, There's some cool percussion on it too, like shakers, like these glass bottles, like that they're hitting with sticks. That sound really cool. I don't know. It's yeah. really neat. Yeah, like I said, if you go to Wikipedia and you look at the personnel, each individual track on this album has its own personnel list, and uh-huh. it's so long. Um, but yeah. So, so Grand Wazoo track two uh it's really just track one um just i love it i love the way it opens i love how it keeps coming back to that that refrain um but everything in the middle uh yeah this i mean just so much like jazz influence tasty jams so i i mean i guess this is this is one where you can say there is the way it opens does kind of sound big bandish a little bit it's also sounds very crunchy yeah it's really yeah it's super jam bandy like but they all want to be frank zappa anyone that plays noodles guitar you know yeah. 
but uh it also has like more polished horns i really believe that like the horns sound a little more like tv i wrote tv horns because i don't know there's just something they sound a little bit more polished and oh, like the 1970s yeah something about them yeah that's kind but, of that's kind of the yeah. big band thing right it's like you you picture the it's like like you said tv horns you picture like the horn section that would be on johnny carson or something yeah exactly and it's got his weird guitar tone he's got that weird thing on his pickup where it sounds like an acoustic but it's an electric it just always perplexes me every time i listen to it yeah i don't know how he does it what'd you say ben it's spanky spanky okay spanky tone it's the strangest tone you can hear like his fingers but yet it's an electric but it's not overdriven but i i don't know you can hear his fingers in a way an acoustic resonates if that makes sense but and i i swear he just recorded an acoustic over and doubled everything and like because he's that crazy but like i don't know sometimes that tone it just drives me crazy like how he got that well he might have just mic'd up like his hand on his electric guitar exactly and i think that's exactly what it is because you can hear percussive elements that pickups don't pick up microphones do if that makes sense yeah um and then uh yeah i flip it over you got cletus Auritus Auritus. love the song so which, much which i i learned actually he actually released this one as a single or, or the the label put this one out as a single um yeah this one uh it's got that that boogie rock breakdown it's another one where it just like halfway into it it just has this crazy train this change to it that is very cool and then almost from that that boogie rock breakdown with the kind of the saloon style piano that that old-timey piano and then it it then it goes into like what i can only describe as like like almost like 50s 50s bop rock but like louder (laughs) um wild yeah it's it's a cool one it's um yeah and this this like i said there's the part where like there are vocals but they're just uh there's like that's i believe this is the first it's the only frank vocal in the whole in both of these albums yes i think so yeah you might see you should be digging it while it's happening oh yeah yeah i yeah i think i i remember i remember hearing him on both albums i i just a little bit sparingly just a little little bit which I, I, you know, I was kind of surprised. The first time you hear him sing, because yeah. he's bum, 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 bum. it's a weird march anthem yeah. thing. He's singing the tuba part. Yes. He couldn't afford a tuba guy, so he just uh, he was like, "We have to sing it." <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it was. Uh, it's good to know that you know, even though he damaged his larynx, you know, he was still able to like recover from that. Um, and actually put some vocals on there uh and then this is the one uh track four this is the one i said just gets stuck in my head every single time eat that question uh just that that groove riff uh that is throughout the, the whole song this is easily my favorite song on the album and it and it starts out with classic george duke you yeah. know yeah, it, it actually has like an intro like uh, most of these songs 
it just kind of seems like like seven instruments all start at the same time but this is this is one of the rare tracks where it actually like they they give the intro to just a single musician and well like, and that's because up. that's because if you pay attention like to what he's playing it's crazy and i think it was probably sufficient for frank because even though it's laid back and it's one guy he's doing these ripping things on the organ yeah. just by warming up and that like most people practice their whole life and not achieve and he just like it's just like ripping him man um and i don't know i'd i'd i hate to just assume that frank was all like you know, if you were fast and badass, and then he liked it. I think he like, had a lot to do with melody, and he liked to serve the song too. But you know, I like to think that he George is just ripping it enough for him to let him have the intro there. Yeah. I I mean, I, I I love the title to eat that question. It's like so open to interpretation about what that means, but I I just really like that phrase. That shit on a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's the Bro, name it's of. It's the response to are there are there no stupid questions? Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's the name of uh, a book or uh, what it was. It's it's also the name of something. Um, Eat that question. The Frank Zappa story or something, right? Uh, it's very possible. The, I'll have I mean, to... there's been countless books and videos and documentaries made. Yeah, I I think it was I'll the title and by Frank. Um, oh yeah a 2016 film yeah eat that question frank zappa in his own words Uh, it's like just a 33 minute like little film um but uh yeah and then i think the way that it 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 all ends with uh, a track called blessed relief which is um uh, i mean when you when you see that title and you know like what he was going through like writing writing these albums and to have to end the album with a song called blessed relief it's i don't know it's almost like uh the the blessed relief is the fact that like even though he's like laid up and he's broken <laughs> and, yeah. he's, and he's sad he can he can still do this like that i think i think that this song is the easiest frank zappa song to listen to it is the most traditional style jazz. Traditional. Uh, it is relaxing. It's relaxing. Yeah, it's- the melody is delightful. I wrote that literally. It's yeah, just it's- delightful. Yeah, it is. It is so. And, and and you know, you listen to the song and you wait for something weird to pop out of the shadows, and it never happens. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it could. It blessed relief could also be like this is the end of of this you know hour long like craziness that i just gave you yeah um it, there's there's so many different interpretations to it but it, it it just works so well and it's a great way it's a great way in the album we we have talked about this before though that it's it's one of those songs that's that's you know got a decent length to it and a great composition and it still fades out and it's it's sort of mm-hmm. like what more were you were you doing in the studio yeah. with this song. I want yeah. I want to hear all of it. I want to hear everything that you did to the song. Well, you somebody gotta, messed up. But it's you, still have, nod, you have to nod to the 70s, man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's a fade out. That's it's, how we're gonna do it. That's what they did. 
Um, well, and I think that's kind of the coy part is he comes back in on guitar and he starts playing again and then it fades out. I think that's kind of the he probably like that's like that that's all you get. He probably, <laughs> he probably didn't like his solo and that's why it fades out. Yeah, yeah. He, I love the muted trumpet and stuff on this one. Yeah, it's like very traditional. This yeah, kind of um, reminds me of when when STP tries to do some of that stuff on their later records. Yeah, folks, I, you're trying to get into Frank Zappa and you're afraid. And you want a song to to try out? Try give, bless, give blessed relief a try. Blessed relief, yeah. And the the muted trumpet. It, I also like like when he um, the guitar comes back in. And it's like it's got the wall effect. It also like is trying to mimic the the muted trumpet sound, mm-hmm. but with guitar instead, which I thought mm-hmm. was very cool. Very cool. Um, but yeah, so that's it. Those are that's. That's his. That's the wheelchair big band era, short and sweet of Frank Zappa. Um, yeah, I'd say there's an entire podcast series about Frank Zappa. Yeah, you you really can. Um, big band, yeah. little chair. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. I I will continue like listening to these. I'll probably these two albums in particular. I'll probably listen to more than other frank zappa stuff probably the rest you know the rest of yeah. my life i will get more spins if um, you like the those albums i would also recommend hot rats one yeah that there it's kind of in the same vein with jazz i would also recommend sleep dirt which is yeah supposedly the hot rats three of the series if you if you like the this these albums and others yeah that's yes. my favorite that's my favorite record, Sleep Dirt, by far. Sleep Dirt. It's seven years later, 79. And I know that because it was part of my whole set albums that came out in 79 series that I listened to. And, uh, but yeah, that, that is a good one. And like I said, I, there's a lot of his, a lot of the, the, the stuff that's not quite as long and not as jazzy, more like commercial, commercial friendly stuff, you know, from Sheik Your Booty and Apostrophe that I still really love too. Yeah. Keep your booty's great. And then, it's hard after, to beat. you know, after these albums, uh, he he plucked a few that he liked. George Duke, Sal Marquez stuck around for I think for a couple albums, and and my favorite rendition of the Zappa Mothers came about after came after, after this. Yes, the, the the Napoleon Murphy Brock era is what yeah. I like to call it. Yeah, um, that's that's cool. So it's like. It, there's an there's kind of like the beginning of a new era as well as with this yes. uh, with these albums the roxy band if you will roxy and elsewhere check it out check it out folks check out frank zappa <laughs> check it out not he's i know he's scary and he's an asshole and, and he yells at you but it's great music people and if you don't like it that's okay too <laughs> uh well thanks for hanging out with us ben yes thank you for having me and as we always say happy mazel tov happy birthday happy 50th birthday